0: You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast, your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. Okay, this week we are welcomed by current Boston, oh, not Boston Cannon anymore, right? It's just Cannon's okay. LC, Goldtender, Nick Morocco. Nick, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, I'm excited, looking forward to it.
0: Perfect, perfect. So how has the bye week been for you?
1: It's been, honestly, it's been a pretty nice. Uh, week and a half straight of, of training camp going into right into our first week of games. We had two games, so it was definitely a lot just getting adjusted, especially for us um, going in with a, a new team. Uh, somewhat new, you know, there were a few familiar faces, but it was there's still that... Um, you know, that learning curve. So it was good to be able to go into that full steam and then kind of, you know, have those first few games and then have a little bit of a, a breather to just for everybody to reevaluate what, what we have to do next and, and uh, figure tweak a few things here and there and let our bodies get a uh, a little time to relax and, and um, train and then go, go right back into it. So I think it worked out well.
0: Do you think that, so obviously being an expansion team more or less, and then having all of that all in a row is going to benefit you down the line because, you know, you, didn't, you guys didn't really know each other at all like the other teams did. Uh, you, you needed more time to gel. So do you think that having the training camp and then having the double game weekend, all of that kind of prepares you better for later on in the season?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think just kind of going into it full steam, like I was saying, and having to kind of think as we go. I think that's going to be to our advantage because, you know, everything. it wasn't perfect by any means, but I think we handled especially those first two games pretty well. Um, the first game, we made a lot of mistakes, but ending up losing by one goal is pretty solid to a, a really good team uh, with some talented players. So I think after that, we kind of – we knew we weren't just, a, you know, a regular expansion team who everyone was like, all right, they'll be – Below average and, and, uh, and, but also, but be pretty solid throughout the year. I think we knew, okay, we could be really good and, and being able to jump into a game two days later was helpful just to um, be able to roll from, from uh, the positive things we did and, and hopefully, and then came out with a win. So I think having that and, and being able to carry that momentum into, into the following week was helpful. And I think just long term, Dealing with that kind of adversity is, is going to be big for us and figuring just figuring out the identity is huge. It's just like, it's hard to with a bunch of new guys is different styles and you don't know what your identity necessarily is on offense, on defense. So, you know, we're still figuring that out a bit. And I think we've kind of seen moments where we have it, um, but it's just tweaking those and, and really focusing in on what it is and, and being able to take that and bring it into a full um, four quarter game, so
0: yeah, piece by yeah. piece,
1: but we're we're getting there.
0: Yeah, I mean, as far as expansion teams, you guys are more like the Vegas Knights than than anything else, <laughs> because there is immediate yeah, yeah, yeah. success here. And and like you said, yeah, you may have lost your first game by one. I mean, to a, a good Redwoods team, you also had a win against what is now being seen as a pretty good Water Dogs team, and then you took the two time reigning champs to OT in a game that easily could have gone either way. And I mean, it's been a while since we've seen anybody push the whip snakes like that. So that game alone kind of solidified, like, all right, they're a hundred percent talented enough and to do it so early is impressive. Uh, I have to imagine though, coming over from the MLL and, you know, you always have to play somebody, you know, certain somebody. How nice is it to have Lyle Thompson on your side as, as opposed, opposed to shooting that, you yeah. at you all the time?
1: Oh, my God. It's the best. I mean, <laughs> playing against him in the MOL was brutal. Not only the fact that he can score from pretty much like every angle. I think he probably did on me. Uh, <laughs> whether it's behind the back, through the legs, uh, around the world, but he also just like attracts so much attention on the field whether when he's dodging. So even if he's not he dodges and he knows he's not gonna be going to the cage to shoot. There's guys that are always going to him and sliding. So, you know, when we were playing against him, it was tough because you know we knew that going into it, but we would still be like, All right, slide slide, 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 go, go, go. Because it's lyle and he's gonna pull off a, a crazy, a crazy move if we don't um, bring pressure to him. So, having that on our end now is, is, uh, makes my life a lot easier. Um, and it's just cool, you know, at the end of the game, end of the quarter, you're like, all right, we get a big stop now. We're going to be able to go down. And we have a lot of talented players on the offensive mm-hmm. end. It's not just Lyle. So, it's like, all right, let's get the ball to Lyle. Let's let our other offensive guys kind of, um, you know, figure out a game plan. And he typically, Lyle, will, will like to control the ball a bit and push it and he knows what he's doing on the field, but he's also not um, going to be done with the ball. And right. He, he knows, he knows now, especially that we have so many different threats on the field, um, whether it's a, you know, a long range shooter or another guy who can dodge hard and, and uh, shoot in the run. So we are able to use that to our advantage of, okay, we know Lyle's a, arguably the best player in the world and he can take it to the cage and score a big time goal, but we can also get him the ball to, it to somebody else who who is a uh, um, an awesome threat who can who can put the ball back in that. So it's pretty cool to watch on my end, honestly. Uh, and, yeah, I bet. That a bit and it's gotta be whip, a lot
2: it's gotta be a lot easier directing a defense too. <laughs>
1: oh, yeah. Term, oh yeah in terms in
2: terms of how, how you slide to him. I mean, and you kind of alluded on it. Um, how how much yeah, I don't want to say how much easier is it, but, you know, with him having the ball on his stick, you kind of alluded to it a little bit, um, you know, he draws so much attention, um, you know, it, it has to be a lot easier. I mean, people are talking about how, you know, this season is, is kind of a, a resurgent year for a guy like Paul Rabel. But I mean, how much I don't want to say easier, but um, how much like in a sense does it really open up for those guys? I mean, because now you know teams, you know, it's not necessarily how they slide to Lyle. It's you know how do how do we defend off all to make sure that we're covering up all those guys because you you, you like you said, you know, you have a lot of long range shooters. You have some guys that. Are, you know, that are going to be a matchup nightmare if they get matched up on a shorty, um, right. you know, and then you, you got guys coming out of the box that, you know, you know, from, from an invert set. I mean, there's just so many different things and you guys are just kind of starting to scratch the surface offensively. Right. Um, I mean, how much does that really kind of help from a game planning standpoint? And, and, you know, and how much does that open things up for some of the other guys on offense?
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, if you look at, if you look at the offense in a while, whatever team he's on, you know, you think the field shrinks down because he's carrying the ball and people are, you know, typically eyes on him. So they, they bring it in tighter. But in reality, the field opens up because there's like you were saying, there's so many different options. And it's even though, you know, it might tighten up the field a little bit where everybody's getting closer to him. He is so skilled where he can basically feed from every single angle. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you think he's not he doesn't see see something on it whatever side it may be um, that he's able to you know throw crazy skip passes throw behind the back pass to a, a step down shooter or you know spin a backside and, and allow someone off to dodge That it, like you're saying it does open up the field upon um so it allows us to be in a good spot of you know our coaches putting different players in really good spots where you know you're seeing Um, Paul this year dominating up top because one, he's being incredibly smart with the, um, the dodges he's making the shots he's taking, but he also um, our offense is allowing a guy like him to get the ball in those prime spots where he's his best. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he's not, he's not, doesn't have to force anything. And you have a guy like Lyle, who's going to bring a lot, bring a lot of attention and, dodge hard from behind and kind of shake those defenders. And when it's not there, he can spin, throw right back up top to a guy where we have multiple threats, which is the crazy part. Like a guy like Steven Rapist, who's a, a rookie, but you can already see he he brings a lot to the table. So it's, it's, uh, it's helpful to have those different pieces and those different skill sets because, you know, it, it is great to, um, you know, the Canadian style – and those that sort of offense is huge now but it I think it's also helpful to have you know those hard dodgers those step down mm-hmm. shooters where you know things aren't going um, you know perfect in the offense we necessarily want to run we can change it up a bit and mm-hmm. uh, throw a wrench in there and, and start to get the defense thinking on their feet which personally as you know a goalie that's a tough spot to be in because you're like all right am I, am I going to have my defenseman, you know, slide early to this guy, or are we going to hold and, and maybe play a little, um, a little conservative, but then you open up the field, to maybe a, a, you know, a skip pass step down shot. So mm-hmm. it's incredibly tough. And it, it's pretty cool to watch him on our end of it. And it, it makes us once the ball comes down, just play a little harder. Cause we're like, damn, those guys are, <laughs> those guys are working. Down yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, you guys are certainly built for it. Like you said, at the end of the day, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is, Lyle or anybody else. You, your offense is built in a way where anybody can draw a slide, and then you have guys like Paul or, or Demer hit that that giant two-bomb the other day <clears throat> that can stretch that defense even further. And with the two-point line, like, forcing people to respect it, you, I mean, and then you've got guys like Q-Ball who can certainly finish inside. And, you know, it's just – it's a really good mix of offense, and I can tell, like, Quirk's mind is always kind of like – you know, he's, he's moving pieces around, you know, dropping up and Wasserman and and picking up other guys. Like he's still like tinkering a little bit, trying to Mm -hmm. find like the perfect mix, because, you know, as you know, you guys are one of the few teams that play like the same three attackmen at all times. And then you bring another fourth or fifth one out of the box sometimes. And, but it's always that tinkering looking for it. And, And I think it's, it's really fun to watch switching over to the defensive end though. You know, this is a brand like whole brand new unit across the board it's not like uh these guys have played together before how important has a guy like Brody been to kind of anchor that and kind of you know obviously not as fast as he once was but that his leadership and I'm, I'm sure he's talking nonstop. he definitely brings an edge because all the time you see him mixing it up like at you know behind the player after the whistle so how how important has he been to kind of like give the team a little bit of an identity? I mean, he's got seven caused turnovers, which is crazy, through three games for for a guy like that who's kind of like an off ball, you know, glue guy at this point. But what's what's it like playing behind a guy like Brody, and and how much easier has that made you know the transition for this whole brand new defense?
1: Yeah, it's awesome. Honestly, it's uh it's pretty cool to be a part of. Brody's a beast all around i mean the fact that he's playing still at such a high level is insane uh he was there my rookie year my first year in nlo okay. and uh when it was one league and and he was a Georgetown guy so it was cool for me to be able, be able to play with mm-hmm. him my first year and and be a part of that and i think he just brings so much on so many different levels of being a, you know like you're saying a great off-ball guy but also you know intercepting passes, causing turnovers, um, and then being an unbelievable leader on the defense, which has, I think, been big for us as a new team, a new defense coming in here is having that presence of, you know, I think everybody defensively is, has a um, very high IQ, but having somebody like him to make sure everybody is, you know, in check and, and really doing what we need to do and making the simple plays um, throughout a game and throughout a, a series and, you know, taking it one step at a time, especially late in the game or late in the quarter and, and just making that simple play to get us through, get the offensive ball and um, let them execute down there, but it's been huge and then, I mean, he's just, he's a savage out there. He, he, <laughs> he
0: is,
1: he's, a, he's a scary dude. It's, you, you talk to him, like the nicest guy, nicest guy ever, and um, but you get him on the field and he just I love having it out there because you know that nobody's going to try to mess with us because if they do one, everybody respects Brody because he's a legend, but two, he, he's a, a, he's a beast. I mean, he, he's gonna, he would bury anybody on the field. So um, it's, it's pretty comfortable as a goalie to see that in front of you. Um, Does
2: he still have his George Costanza wallet? Is that is that still a thing? I remember him having like the the George Costanza wallet where where it was like the size of a small, te- the thickness of a small textbook.
1: That's a great question that I don't know, but I'm going <laughs> to find out now because I'm interested. I'm,
2: pre- I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it was him. This was also years ago. I'm, I'm a little yeah. bit older than you guys, but I, I'm pretty sure that that was
1: that was. The thing. <laughs> I, I'm going to have to ask him because that's interesting.
0: Just let me see your wallet real quick, bro. Yeah, like, well, listen, yeah, hey, yeah. You know. <laughs> no that problem.
1: Way that you what's
0: going on? So, so not- Brody adds something to the close defense and then another guy that you're super familiar with and I'm happy is now playing in the PLL because I think more people get to see how good he is. I mean, watching him kind of lock down Rob Pennell on a couple inverts where he got hung up. Zach Goodrich is still one of the best D middies in the world are you know what what value or you, personally how do, how much better is the defense with a guy like Zach around
1: oh it's it's huge um i think people don't really appreciate how good he is too um i remember in in our mini camp guys on our teams were literally walking around or or talking within you know the circles and whatnot about like not wanting to dodge against goodrich which is pretty funny just because, you know, yeah, it's, a, it's, a small, uh, it's a small community and, you know, everybody talks. But um, that just shows, like, he's a scary dude to go up against. He's incredibly strong and very smart about his approaches and what he's doing out in the field. Um, and he rarely, rarely gets beat. So it's one of those things where, you know, when he's getting dodged, I'm not really too concerned about him. Uh, off sliding too early to a guy like him. Basically, we we can act like he has a long pole because he's that good. Uh, you know, there's always gonna be cases where um, certain matchups where we um, will prepare for something or we want to do do something a little different to get get um, a team off on uh, just to get them thinking a little bit. But uh, for the most case, it's 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 just big to have somebody up top there where um, he can control control that midfield um, spot so he can kind of dictate what's going on and we'll get certain matchups going to, to gear around that. And it's, yeah, it's, it's been uh, really helpful to have uh, the D yeah. The D mid position itself is we're grown a ton over the past few years and how important it is. And, and I think guys like him who are very talented defensively um, and also able to push transition is very valuable um and i think it's pretty undervalued right now um since my since he came in a couple years ago he's been a you know a really really great player out there good leader um i played against him in college uh he scored a few goals on me in college i'm pretty sure he scored at least two or three one game and he still tells me so uh no but he's he's the man great dude i'm really tight with him um so it's also cool to have him from the Cannes team coming over to this one um, and having that, you know, that uh, chemistry going into this new defense. Um, but, yeah, I can't say any uh, any better things about him.
0: Yeah, he's he's incredible. I, I like I said, I was just happy that he's over in the PLL just for the exposure because so many people kind of yeah. forgot. Like who, I mean, the casual fan doesn't really pay attention to D middies as much, but like me personally, like watching him, Charlie Hayes, a couple other guys, I was excited for them to come over and glad that, uh, I mean, obviously it makes a lot of sense. And, and Quirk knew exactly what he was doing when he drafted him. Um, I mean, drafted him with the second pick and, and, or with his second round pick. So, um,
2: it just goes to show you how important those guys are to the success of a team. I mean, um, you know, you're seeing it at the national team level. Um, you, you, you obviously you see it at the professional level. I mean, those are the guys that can put you over the top and, you know, obviously win you a championship.
0: Yeah, right. I mean, he's he's not He's by no means a liability, and like you can tell when a Demity is kind of a liability. But like right, I said, yeah. when Pennell got him behind, I was like, "I'm not overly concerned about this." <laughs> like, and that's one of the yeah. game's best Dodgers. So, uh, that's last the crazy part about it, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, you don't have to worry or change your entire defense just because he's back there. Um, last question about somebody that isn't you on your team. Um, you know, there, there's been a whole lot of noise, and, and like, it's been good publicity. And you know, I thought he actually played really well. You know. Chris Hogan, the, the the whole thing, right? Like just, there's a lot of noise. What's your take on it? I mean, you see him, you know, at your practices, you see him when no one else does, you know, ha, ha, I mean, he seems to be taking it extremely seriously. Like this is, this is it for him. Like this is what he wants to do. Uh, what can you kind of shine a light on or, or tell people about that where, you know, it, it's not a ploy. It, like he's, he's legitimately here for the right reasons and he's, doing very well like I watched every clip of his last game I was like there were times where he was being challenged like he got inverted and Mm -hmm. he handled it very well I mean you can't make up for 10 years in 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 three weeks right but you know what's what's your take on the whole situation I mean if you're comfortable talking about it
1: yeah I don't know not at all I mean he is an absolute competitor I think people don't give him enough credit you know, going into it, I mean, it's a tough spot. There's always going to be people who are going to give you shit no matter what. Um, social media is social media these days. It's yeah. it's crazy. But, um, you know, I, I I think people just don't – either they don't realize or they just are ignorant to the fact that he was a incredibly talented player in college and he wasn't mm-hmm. – this isn't just some random pro football player who wants to – right style lacrosse and and play pro lacrosse and then the PLL was just yeah oh sure this is great for publicity this guy actually played high level um, college lacrosse and and was a stud and yeah he had he took some years off but he showed it in the same as he did in football is went into it and busted his ass and ended up you know doing the same thing proving people wrong and and played at the highest level he could. And I think going into it now, I think it's that similar mentality where, you know, he knew his ability and then he wanted to, um, you know, take it to that next level again. And I, I think he's done a great job of, of one, not letting that pressure and the kind of the outside noise really get to him, and all, but also get um, to the whole team in general. I mean, it could it'd be pretty easy for him to let it either get to his head or, or just kind of impact like the whole team culture, but he's been one, he's been an awesome um, leader in locker. I'm just, you know, building off of his experience, whether he, you know, it does, he probably has a, a few things to learn as far as the, the pro game as far as the cross goes and the, uh, the IQ side of, you know, not being in the game for a few years, but, I think he, he's a guy who's coming in that he's trying to learn as much as he can, whether it's from a, a younger player or a rookie on the team um, or a veteran guy who's been in the league for a while. So, um, and then you look at him on the field, I mean, he's done a really good job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, as we all know, a freaky athlete. And even if he gets beat, he's able to recover so quick that it, it's just, it's, it's pretty crazy to see that athleticism transfer over onto the lacrosse field. And, um, I think he's really coming into the, to, to that position. Well, um, he's, it's been what a game, um, in a few weeks of, of training camp and, and everyone's like giving him shit because, you know, maybe he got beat once or something. And they're like, ah, right. it's Chris, Chris Hogan, Chris It's like, Dude, no, he's, he's figuring it out. He's, he's, uh, you know, already doing a really good job just for um, a few weeks back and it it does take time. I mean, we, you could see even in the bubble last year, um, you know, some guys didn't have a a great bubble and that's because it's, that whatever, it was two weeks long. Sometimes you have a, you have an off week. You got to start to get in the flow of things and and figure it out. And it's I mean, it's similar for the start of any pro season. You you can be real rusty at first and you got to fine tune a few things. And I think he's just, he's pushing to, to, increase his level as he goes and learn from the other guys and learn from the coaches and, and, um, and build off of it. And he wants to, I, I can tell you for sure it's not some sort of media thing. I don't think he needs it. Yeah. Uh, like really cares about it. So. Well, he's not he, playing to
0: get rich. Right. So yeah, like
1: he's, he, he wants to, he wants to win. He's a, he's a savage. He wants to, he wants to be the best at, at whatever he's doing. And I think that's his end goal. I think he's pretty similar to a lot of us who won't want to, yeah, are playing the game because we, we love it and we wanna we wanna um you know play at the highest level and, and be the best we can and see the game go that way too. So uh,
0: i mean, it's you, cool, you, a
1: cool part of
0: you take a high level D one player, you you put him in an NFL body over the course of a couple of years, you're immediately one of the best athletes in the PL, regardless. Those stick skills they get rusty but they don't go away. Like it's like riding a it, bike, but, right? It takes so, time but it comes back. And and it's just getting caught up to like just like it college football that to, to the NFL, like there's a huge jump in the schemes and everything that's going on. Like it's, it's a whole nother level. So yeah, I mean, the lack of comes over time, but I mean, when you're a D mid, which is essentially what his role is right now, like your job's not that complicated. It is just stop the guy in front of you. And that's something that he can, you know, he can do, you know, he's athletic right. enough to do that. Sure. You know, yeah there's situations that he hasn't experienced the games changed. Like there's a lot of hangups. There's a lot of inverts. There's a lot of stuff that he might not have seen at Penn state, but like that comes with time. And no, it's just, it's great to hear that, you know, from his teammates too. Like it's, it's always Chris defending himself. Right. In in the public eye, or at least in the, the lacrosse media, but like he's always defending himself, or and it just it seems a little unfair. And like you said, like yeah, okay, he got beat, but I can tell you there were other D middies on the cannons that day that got beat worse than him. So um, it's not really fair. But again, I mean, you bring you bring a huge spotlight with you, and people are going to be a little bit harsher. But let, let's move well, on to to you. So you, you move over from the MLL obviously what's the biggest difference in like the the rule changes are you seeing more shots than you've ever seen is there a lot more pressure to outlet the ball quicker because of the shot clock um you know the the field's a little bit shorter are you able to basically hit the midfield line a lot more with your outlet passes you know personally just the rule changes themselves how how's that been for you as a goalie
1: yeah i think it's uh it was definitely a transition um it was a little bit of a learning curve, but I think it geared well to my style. Um, yeah, I'm definitely getting a lot, a lot more shots in certain most games, um, just because of the the you know the difference in the shot clock and, and the smaller field. Um, it's it's an incredibly fast Uh and I think I, we realized that pretty quick um, those first few days of doing scrimmages and and whatnot and just seeing the difference in the pace. Um, and I think it's great. I mean, I, I, for me personally, I like to get a lot of shots and especially early. So that, that lets me click, um, and get in in the rhythm of the game. So I think it's, I think it's been really helpful. And then I think it also just gears well to, like you were saying, it it is good. You gotta, you you gotta make a save. You gotta get it up quick or you gotta make a save and, and try to push the ball. So, I mean, I like to play out of the net a lot and, and, uh, and I'm not afraid to to run it up a bit, so I I think that it, it gears well in the sense that you know once I I make a save and if guys are crashing down I can I can push upfield and and find that open guy find a two on one and um, and get the ball up that way so it's been I think uh, to my advantage and I'm you know learning learning as I go to of what works best what not to do and you know what angles to take when I when I make a save where to go out of the net sort of thing um, but I think I think it's been great but that's definitely the the biggest thing that's that's going to change is just that that pace of the game and and um, also just the smaller field so you know you're up and down the field I mean it's it's great. these guys are are freaking work um, throughout the game and those those transitions from you know getting a, a d mid on the field off the field is really important and and pretty crucial so there can be that you stop that transition, so it's um, everyone being on the same page, and the def- defense, and LSMs, and D mids, and our offensive players kind of just being in, in tune with what we're doing um, has been big. So, but I think it's it's awesome. I think it's good for the game. It's just it's faster. People people like to see that and
0: yeah, see more yeah. Talent. You're not getting ten men rides or anything like that yeah um so with with the shorter field and you know it seems like especially with the shot clock later in the shot clock a lot of teams are cheating the subs a bit and and getting guys off and getting demons on does that really open up i mean it doesn't seem like there's a lot of riding going on i mean there's riding like one-on-one like attackmen against defenders and goalies but like there's no real team ride once you beat your, your defender, your attackman, or, you know, you said you walk it up sometimes or run it up. There's not a huge challenge to get it to a midfielder or sometimes to an attackman on the other side of the field, who's just kind of cheating up. So, I mean, it, this is no slight, but it seems to be kind of an effect on the, on the rule changes. There isn't really time to ride if you're going to sub your guys on and off.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that, I think definitely there is a, uh, the, the need is to get guys off fast. So it's that's definitely um, that's definitely key is just getting them getting them off and getting the right guys in the field. So that's priority one for sure, um, at least I've seen. So I, I'd say the biggest thing I'm seeing, and it's probably a lot of teams are, and I don't know if it's not even they're not riding hard, but it's like they're clogging up the middle of the field because it's a shorter field and you, it's just easier for it's easier to push push up quick and get closer to the middle um on the clear so a lot of teams seem to be clogging out the middle and and trying to almost that's like their their ride so that they can try to keep us on half the field mm-hmm.
0: to slow you down a bit
1: yeah because if you if you don't if you don't get the ball over half field um quick enough you're going to get the offensive ball with like, I don't even know, whatever, 30, 30. Yeah. Around 30 not, seconds enough left. And <laughs> not enough yeah, that's, that's tough for the offense to, you know, spin the ball maybe once and try to set it up, have a dodge. And if the dodge doesn't work like, ah, uh, shit, you're at like 10 seconds yeah. and then you're really kind of trying to force something. So it's, I think it's a uh, key is really getting that ball up. um, As quick as possible within my like five, 10 seconds. And so if you, if when they're trying to clog that in the middle of the field, you gotta really see both sides of the, of the uh, field, whether box side or off box side, find what wh- who that attackman is, and try to um, try to use it to your advantage of, of manipulating that two on one game.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's just something I think. I mean, more attentive fans have, have seen over time. Like yeah. it's the third season now. Like there's really there's no point in tracking the the, the ride in the clear, right? Like As long as you don't turn over that first pass on the clear, like you're probably going to clear the ball, which again creates more offense and that's what people want. I mean, that's, that's what you want for TV. So uh, no, it's, it's a fun, it's definitely a fun version. Uh, The the rule changes have been nice. Um, So switching over from the MLL, are there any other changes that you immediately noticed? I mean, obviously the PLL pays a tremendous amount of attention to, to, to media, to social media and, you know, the, the rule changes being what they are, but just from like an operational standpoint, like what's an average week look like for you in, in the PLL?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely similar in the sense that, you know, it's the structure wise of, um, you know, working during the week training um, by ourselves and, and, you know, we'll do Zooms and virtual meetings to get prepped and then we'll fly out, um, you know, typically a day or day and a half before a game to get a practice in and, and game plan film and practice a day of and then play. So it's, it's similar in that sense. Um, I think they're very good at their operations and it's, I've noticed that it's, it's super efficient. Um, they have people in every single role possible of trying to make sure our lives are easier um and you know it's just and it's funny because you ask that question I'm like yeah what, what is it but then I'm like all right the thing is it's just like I don't we need to really even like think about a lot of the stuff operationally that um you know could be a huge hassle for us so it just kind of makes our lives easier of being able to get there um be set up with everything and then go out and get ready for the game and really focus on what we're doing on the field, the on-field product, which they know, and we've all known is is great when we can actually um, just go out there and focus on it. But um, yeah, I'd say that. And then the media, as you know, it's incredible. And um, I was always wondering, like when I, you know, when I was in the the ML last year and the all did a a better job of it, but you look and feel um, they've, they've, Took it to a new level and like what is it? What are they doing? But it's just they have, you know, they have the, their content. People are crazy good and mm-hmm. they're covering everything. um They're extremely creative in what they're doing. Their marketing plans and and you know I like the marketing side too. So it's interesting to see that and and uh, how they're how they're doing it. But they're literally taking you know game film and sprinting up to I think I saw it on social media too like sprinting up to the box and turning that game film over and putting it getting it like ready and edited for social media it's like it's pretty cool there that how dedicated they are and uh, you know it's obviously we're busting our ass to to uh, make it work for you know guys are um, you know have other jobs and whatnot and and then going out and and playing every every week every weekend Um, and that's tough but then you look at you know what they're doing doing on their side of it operationally and you know media marketing and and they're also they're also pushing hard so it's like all right, okay, it's a it's cool we're all you know and it's a really uh you know drive the game forward and you know it, it, was a, it was it was a pain when there was two leagues of just the the, the BS uh, between you know uh, social media uh, well, this league that league so it's right just, yeah in, yeah in no, it's one pretty
0: place now. it's pretty petty uh, but. It yeah. eventually it was going to come to a head, and I'm yeah. glad it was sooner than later because you didn't want to see one league just disappear like right. on its own and then get picked yeah. up for scraps. So uh, I no, think I, I, cool think now,
1: I think I think p- a piece I missed too was just like you're seeing now that it's back to one league, and it's it's been like this a little bit in the, in the past couple of years with PLL, but the, the presence it has with non-across people now and you're seeing it with you know Paul going on these different talk shows and and these all these interviews and you know talking to guys like Mark Cuban and and all these influential athletes and um, non athletes but you know how they look at the game now is a lot different than it was in the past it's you know it used to be seen I think you know it was always a great game but they were it was almost like just kind of like amateur hour a bit Mm-hmm. Um, now it's they look at it like wow oh wow, pro lacrosse that's legit like this is a uh an unbelievable game they're putting on a great product it's on nbc like this is legit um and i think that's pretty important for the growth of the game is having the that non-lacrosse presence those um you know those big time athletes and other sports who are like damn i want to go watch i'm gonna go watch pro lacrosse and i yeah. think we're seeing know that more now and i think i, you got, I gotta give them credit for that because um It's pretty
0: pretty cool. Yeah, and it seems like, I mean, not that it wasn't a priority, but the PLL has prioritized the NLL as well, understanding that what's good for both leagues is good for lacrosse. And, you know, shifting the schedule was a big part of that so that people could play year-round in both. I mean, Joe Sy is obviously heavily invested in both uh like you said so so doing that and then having like that nll announcement a couple days ago and it's like oh you know gretzky and nash and dj it's like okay this is really cool i mean yeah sure they're gretzky and nash are canadians and like they're used to it like this isn't new for them but to put it into a public light like i told somebody it's one thing to be a fan it's another thing to be invested and Mm -hmm. so like that's huge to see this money come in and then i was just joking with some buddies who were like casual lacrosse fans i was like Did you know that, like, Eli Manning, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Dan Orlovsky, they're all lacrosse dads? Like, they're all out on Sundays watching lacrosse tournaments. And, like, you couldn't have said – I mean, obviously, their kids weren't old enough. But, like, you wouldn't have said names like that 10 years ago, like, very casually. And, And the thing is, like, people see that, and then they blow that up and mm-hmm. and the PLL will then like go interview those guys, get them hats, like jump on every opportunity to like oh, let yeah. other people know like hey, this is cool. Get on get in while you can. And so I think that's all been great. One thing I wanted yeah. to bring up uh so you're a Georgetown guy and I was thinking about this last night as like very sneakily Georgetown alumni are having like a huge impact Right now in the PLL. I mean, obviously Brody is part of the old guard, but then, you know, you've got Caraway, you've got um, yourself, you've got, um, gosh, the other attackman who I oh, know, yeah, the car. Okay, so the former outlaw. So you guys are all like, you know, Caraway especially, you know, what was that five goal game the other day, and then yourself at sixty percent, Brody with with crazy turnover number, cause turnover numbers is the i mean i i know georgetown has a history right of being a special lacrosse place it definitely had that period in between i think brody's era and your era where it was kind of it was there it was it was pretty good but wasn't exceptional what's kind of led to that little bit of a resurgence if you will and and kind of talk about briefly your experience, you know, why you picked Georgetown over anywhere else. I mean, you're from Duxbury, so it's not like Georgetown and Duxbury are just like perfectly linked in any way. So kind of walk us through that real quick.
1: Yeah. So it's, it's, uh, I had an unbelievable experience there. It was for me, uh, when I was getting recruited, uh, I was looking at a bunch of schools early on, um, early about, I think probably my sophomore year or so. And then I ended up, um, I was pretty close to committing to one school and then I ended up breaking my wrist and and missed like a bunch of it, pretty important tournaments and that recruiting period for, for early commits. And so it ended up, you know, it, I ended up having to wait about another year to go through the whole recruiting event process again and Georgetown was actually my last school I visited, because um, um, yeah. Coach Rukowski was actually at Cornell. Yeah. That I, when I was looking there, and then he went over to Georgetown, and asked me if I wanted to come out and visit, and met with Coach Warren and everybody. Um, and right when I got there, I just loved it. I loved the um, the city, and also being like kind of secluded in its own little little town there, and um, and also the team and the coaches and what they were building, um, you know, and I didn't really know a ton about Georgetown before then, um, just because, you know, like you're saying, it, 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 they had some rough times before that. Um, it, and I knew it used to be a, a you know, a, a big time lacrosse school. They, they were in the final four and they, uh, you know, had some great years, but uh, they went through a, you know, a really uh, down time for lacrosse and, I think that part of it really attracted me because, you know, I've always had that, you know, prove people wrong mentality and, you know, trying to grind and, and, you know, make something from the ground up. Um, So I wanted, I really loved the idea of going somewhere where I, you know, you knew it could be at a really high level Um, and it really, it should be at back at a, a really high level. And so going in, that was, I think that was that sold me and I went in with that mentality again of like, all right, similar to how I did in high school of not of, you know, losing that recruiting and kinda of going a little bit under the radar and we that was what we what we did going into into um G Town and Coach Warren, absolute crazy man, uh best guy ever. He's nice. awesome and he has that same thing. It's like you're gonna you're gonna grind. You're gonna yeah. really um you know we're gonna have plenty of talented players. We're gonna, it's it's a you, you watch the offense. It's pretty fancy, but there are also some some tough some tough dudes on the team. And um, I think we had that mentality and that, that grind mentality where we're gonna we're gonna um, build this thing back up from the ground up. And my freshman year we had a great season. We lost to Denver in the Big East championship. They ended up winning the whole thing. So we're like, oh, shit, all right, this is going to be sweet. We're going to have an awesome four years. Uh, And then as a sophomore year, we were brutal. Uh, We had a terrible, terrible record, um, which was a big wake-up call. It was just, you know, it it, it was just – it was tough. But my – and then my junior year, a little bit better, but still pretty bad. Um, So that was a big turning point. I think my class was – my class was Coach Warren's – A first official recruiting class
2: was that was that with Burge
1: yes yeah yeah so yeah we had some we had some studs and we also had some some uh some really really good team guys who everybody pretty much in my class not one guy left and everyone was just bought into that um you know that goal of trying to bring it back up and create something special for when we left so my senior year was was it was sick it was just you know we got there in the fall and there was just different a different vibe and uh, mentality going into it I think we had we had some we had some issues in the past couple of years before that of you know we were still finding that identity and everybody buying into it and my class was officially that that group where like at my class and below everybody was Wanted to be.
2: Yeah, we do it. This Georgetown way. to be lacrosse. Yeah.
1: We want to be back to being a lacrosse school. Yeah. So we we dominated that year. It was great. We um you know we won the Big East championship first time ever, and then once ncaa lost to Hopkins in overtime, which we should have won. But mm. um, that was officially I think when it was like all right, you know Georgetown lac- lacrosse is legit. We're back. We should be back. Like this is the this is the standard now. Um. And then as you see, I think the guys under, under us were, were, you know, took that and ran with it. Um, And it it was, you know, seen as like the standard now you can't just settle for having an average year. Yeah. Um, You know, it's a great school. The coaches are are all dedicated. You know, you're in a sweet city. Um, you, You know, you're, you're, in a good opportunity, you got to take advantage of it. So I think they've done a great job and they've got some stud players come through some really good young guys now. And I think that's what kind of, um, you know, brought that forth. So, and coach Warren has done a great job. He really care. One thing about him, which, you know, I like um, about coach Quirk too, is is he cares about the guys too. It's not just like, you know, I'm doing my job to win games and, which is, it is, it's at the end of the day, you know, he's going to make some some decisions that are going to make some people unhappy, but he, he really cared about all, all the dudes on the team and, and, uh, and what they were, what they were doing in their lives and, and whatnot. So I think that, helped, that went a long way. Well,
2: and I yeah. think you, you probably, watch. you probably saw that with kind of the effort that the guys were putting on the field. I mean, listen, oh, if, yeah. the, if the coaching staff is going out on a limb for you and actually is invested in you as people, you 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 repay that investment tenfold with what you do for them. Exactly. And it ends up – I mean, it's like a family, right? Um, right. You know, and um, so correct me if I'm wrong. When you guys won that Big East Championship, that was at Denver, right? Was that at Denver? Um, that
1: was at Villanova.
2: Villanova? All right, because yeah. I'm trying to remember. I have the, I have this image in my mind of just after you guys win, Coach Warren His, his crying, emotion? I was
0: going to say the same thing. Yeah, TV. yeah, you could tell, like, um, how much it meant to him
2: you know, listen, that guy's a Hofstra guy. He's as tough as nails. He's a Long Island public school guy. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think you see that come out in, 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 in the effort that you see on game day in the Georgetown guys. I mean, you, yep. you guys play with a chip on your shoulder and and it's oh, always yeah. carried over. Um, you know, I mean, it, it's, uh, it's been really special. I mean, and I mean, just going back to that, you know, you, you talked about it, I mean, nobody really got, gave you guys a, a chance to really win it that year, did they? I mean, you guys were nope. a big underdog going into that. What, what was that like? And, you know, for you guys as seniors, you know, was that just like a, a huge moment of validation for you guys?
1: Yeah, that was huge. I mean, we put in a ton of work. So seeing that come to life, is it's, it's awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's tough. As you guys know, you know, playing sports can be a freaking grind. And when you're not seeing the results – of the work you put in can be pretty defeating at times um so being able to do that and and you know set we you know we'd set those goals and you know one of the things is like we figure out our coach one would have us figure out what what's our why what, like why are we doing this what what motivates us and and what drives us so that's something you know we would look to to really, um, you know, keep us on our path and motivated and we'd set goals of what we want to achieve and that end goal of winning a biggest championship, then the next one and the next one. Um, and I think being able to see, like, you, like we were saying, just see that come to life is, is pretty cool. But, you know, I think we always did have that chip on our shoulder, which was, um, was, it was really helpful. And I, I eat that up. I love that stuff. It's, you know, it's, that still drives me today. Of, I love, love being the underdog. It's, you know, I think it's the best, best position to be in. Cause you can always, you can always uh, make your way up and, and do more to get better. So I think having that um, also just like having that swagger too. And I think, you, you know, you could see that with, with the old school, um, Georgetown basketball, that swagger they had and, you know, the talent, but also the grit and, and uh, you know, that grind that grind mentality of, of Georgetown basketball and then bringing we saw that you know with a Georgetown vibe too it's like all right you're going to be you're going to be some talented players out there but you're also going to bring that little, a little bit of swagger and that ship on your shoulder and and uh people aren't people are going to be afraid to play you so uh, that's what we want we we wanted to bring to our to our year uh my senior year and and it was cool to see that um, come to light and then also look back now and a few years later and, and see that mentality kind of still be there.
0: It's a fine line too, because, you know, Georgetown is not the most blue collar of schools by nature. Right. right. Like yeah. it is a little bit of, it's like saying like, Oh, why, why do those Hopkins and Yale kids have such a chip on their shoulder? It, it's tough to yeah, yeah. get that identity. In like, school. Yeah. 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 Where it's like, well, this is the best of the best and we're prestigious and you know, it, it's, it's a fine line and the coaches that can do it, like Coach Warren, I mean, and Coach Shea and, and other guys that can do that at those types of schools. Like it, it's hard to tell like Ivy League kids and Georgetown kids and Michigan kids, like, hey, you know, you're not the best at whatever you're doing. Cause they're yeah. used to being have, to having been the best and being told what they need to hear their whole lives. So, you know, yeah. it, it is interesting and it's it's one of the toughest things to do in coaching, honestly, is to take a group like that that comes to a school like that and be like, hey. We're gonna work incredibly, incredibly hard, and you're not the best, but we could be the best, and yeah. and just kind of like you said, have grit. You know, it's yeah. it's it's hard to to do that, and it's because so, yeah,
1: I think that's also the type the type of guys you're bringing in too. It's, mm-hmm. it's knowing, and it's also you know, it's bringing in the right guys. But it's also making sure I think Coach Warren what he what did a good job of was. You know, he, he doesn't want for the, for the kids' sake too. It's like you don't want to bring in a guy who who thinks they're getting into something or not. You know, mm-hmm. so it's it's setting those expectations, and that's in whatever whatever level you're playing, whatever sports or not, job or whatnot. You're like setting those expectations of what you're getting into, and the mentality you're getting into, the culture you're buying in. Um, you got to buy into, and and if you if you want to be at a certain level, and I think he did a good job going out and finding those guys and that's probably part of the reason like looking back now that my class was like so close with each other, um, on and off the field is, you know, like you're saying, George sounds like, all right, people are like, yeah, oh, yeah. All right. All right, man. Like you're, you guys are not, like, tough life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, tough life, but it's like, yeah, maybe not. But, um, but also like just us as individuals, like, that's kind of like the mentality we've always had. This doesn't matter where we came from. Yeah, it's like you're, you're going to, and, and coach Warren got those types of flares of, they love the, I'm coming in, I'm going to, they're going to teach us some, some, uh, a lot of skills and, and things that to make us really good players. But you're also, you're going to grind. You're going to not going to be just some pretty boy lacrosse player. You're going to come and you're going to work and you're going to earn it. And then you'll, we'll, we'll find success, um, from that,
0: so yeah, because anybody can. Let's I mean, there, there's definitely two different types of people that go to schools like that, right? People that reach upward to to yeah. grow themselves, and then the people that are like legacies or like got waitlisted at at maybe a Yale yeah. or a Harvard, and they're like, oh no, Georgetown's my <laughs> safety. Like, there's there's those uppity people, and then there's the people that are like reaching upwards. So like, it's yeah. funny too because my dad went to Duxbury for a couple of years, and I'm like, I know like the. very similar to like how i grew up in public school ryan went to public school so but but like you were saying with the recruiting thing ryan and i have said this for years you know most of the issues in the program in their culture can be figured out during the recruiting process like if you try to get a kid that doesn't fit just because of a skill set they'll either leave or it'll burn Mm -hmm. you one way or another so you can stop most of those problems from happening on the front end but uh a
1: thousand percent and you still see it today yeah some programs i mean i'm not gonna say names, names here
0: but i have an idea every single fair, year maybe fair. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah maybe out there program like they'll go out and get these crazy talented players best in the country but it ends up being a shit show every single time and it's like come on you, you could you could see that coming
0: well, there's a reason why people don't work out at the place that they're at, too. It's not always just because mm-hmm. it was a bad fit. Well, maybe it's just because right. they're just not there.
2: And you hear it over and over again, yeah. like you recruit your own problems. hundred percent.
0: Well, That'd Nick, we'll, break, we'll, we'll finish the official interview right there. Uh, we really appreciate yeah. your time and uh, best of luck this weekend in Baltimore.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Alex. This is a lot of fun. We'll have to do it
0: again. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Off Sides.